1: 2022, okay, here we go. It's Sarah Burke back with the first episode of the Women in Media podcast for 2022. I'm hoping you'll love the conversations I'll bring you this year, and I'd appreciate if you would click follow, subscribe, the little bell or whatever icon your favorite podcast service has that will alert you when I have a new episode out. And now, let's get to my first guest of the new year. She is one of Canada's most recognized media personalities. She's got more than 25 years' experience under her belt covering film and entertainment. She has interviewed some of the world's biggest stars, from Oprah to Tom Cruise, J-Lo to Brad Pitt. She's the face of Super Channel Super Picks, a red carpet veteran, a film critic, and a media coach. And she's not sugarcoating anything.
0: I was 48 uh, as a woman at 48 years old in media, that's a lot of the con column. If you're doing your pros and cons list, it shouldn't be, but you know, the reality is it is. Uh, so I have really rough time. You know, I, I, my analogy that I use is when I lost my job at Bell, um, it was like my boyfriend broke up with me, but I was already looking at another boy, um, And then when I lost my job at Rogers, it felt like I was left at the altar in my wedding dress.
1: Terry Hart, welcome to the Women in Media podcast. Sarah, thanks so much for having me. Wrapping up my last episode of 2021, because you're the first episode of the new year, I said, you know, Terry's a bit of an OG in this space, and there's lots to talk about. So many skills uh, on your resume. What is it that you enjoy most right now? Because you're wearing a bunch of different hats.
0: Oh, I think what I enjoy most right now is just the variety of my life. Um, Certainly movies and television is always going to be like a a primary focus, kind of like where everything branches out from. It's like the hub of what I do. Um, I never get tired of it. I never don't want to watch a movie um, or dig into a new TV series. But I'm also loving the fact that I'm, you know, getting to get into the you know um, sandbox, if you will, with all kinds of different organizations from uh, CBCQ. Uh, I work a lot with them um, to my dear, dear, sweet friends at Super Channel, which um, I'm loving playing with them and and the content that they have on the amazing network that is super channel and media training has turned into a huge passion of mine, Sarah. It's really amazing to be able to come into somebody's life. um, Filmmakers, actors, executives, students. Um, You'd be amazed at some of the people who have reached out to me for media training and, take my skill sets that i've built as being you know an interviewer and a broadcaster for you know 26 years now and and hand that over to them that they can use for something really tangible in their life in their career so it's a little bit of a different side of what i do and that's been fun to kind of peel back that onion and see how i can help people from that side of the business too
1: I think what's so interesting is I dream about the place that you are in your career in that it sort of seems like you're taking your favorite parts, your favorite passions of this industry and you know making it work on your schedule. Also, interestingly enough, you have somehow found a way to both make content and strategize content. And I, I often feel that way myself, like I'm so passionate about both those things, but you can't always do it all. How did you get to this point?
0: Uh, you know, you make mistakes, you uh, bite off more than you can chew. Um, You say yes to everything and kind of dig deep in terms of what feels right and what doesn't feel right. And then instead of just going, oh, that didn't feel right, that means it's not a good fit for me. When something doesn't feel right, sit with it for a while? Did it not feel right because it was a challenge? Did it not feel right because you were working with new people and so you didn't have a shorthand yet? Um, Sometimes not feeling right is actually the growth part. So it takes a while to figure out if something doesn't feel right because you're growing and learning in it, or if something doesn't feel right, because it maybe isn't a great fit. I'm not perfect at it, Sarah, at all. Um, the thing that I do say is say yes to everything. Uh, in in this new space as a freelance person that I've been occupying for a couple of years now, I say yes to everything that's going to pay me. Um, I, I don't work for free. I, I don't- <laughs>
1: Sorry, not at this stage. Not at this
0: stage. I mean- I'm, I just turned 50 years old. I've done this for a really long time. I believe that I bring a lot to the table and I deserve to be paid for that. So I don't need exposure. That's not going to pay my mortgage. Um, or buy, you know, gifts for my granddaughter. <laughs> um, yep. I, I, you know um, which it seems are my, my, two biggest priorities right now. Um, I, I, and you know, there is there is that thing out there of know your worth. Um I, I'm trying to get better at hearing the things that people say to me and about me, uh, the positive ones. I'm really lucky because a lot of the things that I hear about myself and the things people say about me are very positive. So I'm trying to be better at not going, oh psh, no. And I'm trying to say thank you. And that means a lot. I mean, just hearing you in these past you know five minutes it's just it's surprising and it warms my heart and what I tell younger people all the time is um it's surprising when you get to the place where you have something to offer somebody else I didn't know I was at that place it's not like all of a sudden you become the the senior the guru person. yeah you, you know yeah. it's not like you wake up and you're like now I can be the mentor versus the mentee I mean I still believe I could benefit from so many people out there in terms of a mentee situation, um, but you know, all of a sudden you realize that you do have some answers to some questions, and those answers are because of actual tangible experience, and they're because of just accumulated knowledge. So, and that's always evolving. So. Your question was, you know, how did I get to the place of of creating content and strategizing about content? Um, I've kind of gone off on a tangent here. Sorry, Sarah, No, no, um, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, it is about um, also consuming a lot of content, being really, really active in the space that you're occupying. I watch not just tv movies i i watch a lot of social media i see what other people are doing i learn from people who are much much younger than i am uh because it's a younger person's space um and they have a handle on things that i don't i ask questions i know i don't know everything i know there's a ton for me still to learn so um i guess it would be say yes to everything get paid Um, because value is important and knowing your value is incredibly important. And uh, if something doesn't feel right, sit with it and figure out if it doesn't feel right because you're growing in it or if it really doesn't feel right and isn't the right place for you at this moment or the right people for you at this moment.
1: So I want to get into like your super channel stuff that you've been doing, uh, which is like your biggest, I guess, freelance gig at the moment. Uh, And especially like some of the media training that you offer. I actually went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, Googling, trying to find out some more. So I'm going to ask you about that too. You just got back from New York. I want to hear about what you were doing there, <laughs> but I feel like it's important to start with, um, your transition from like city TV and being like, you know, one of those driving forces behind the scenes and on screen and then making the leap into freelance.
0: Uh, well, it wasn't my choice. Um, okay. I was let go Uh, I've lost two jobs in my career. I'm super transparent about it because it happens in every business, uh, but primarily media, you know, uh, it does happen. I had worked at Astral, which owned the movie network for 19 years and Bell bought Astral. It was a big, big deal in Canadian media and Bell kept me on, you know, for, for, you know, six or eight months, they were very kind to me. And then they let me go. That happens in mergers. That happens. Um, you knew
1: it was coming too? They told I you? didn't.
0: I didn't, okay. Sarah. I was surprised. Um, but I, um, it certainly wasn't out of the realm of possibility that, yeah. you know, they had a lot of people there that were doing my job within Bell already. And I was literally at the movie network, the only person who had my job. I mean, Astro was a small company and a small medium sized company, but I was the only on air person and producer, um, uh, like for original content, we had lots of promo producers. Um, I was the only person at Astro that did that job. So it was kind of like big fish, small pond going to uh small fish, big pond. And there were lots and lots of fish in that big pond. Yeah. And they were super kind to me. Um, you know, it it, it was okay. And then I was immediately when when that happened, the marketplace was very different. Um, But within two weeks, I was on the morning show at Global doing movie reviews for them. And then I, you know, filled in for Liza when she was still hosting the morning show. I was, you know, freelancing kind of immediately uh, at all different companies and doing all kinds of really fun, great things. Um, Then I started freelancing at Rogers, Um, I was hired there as a supervising producer, uh, lots of change happened at Rogers in the five years I was there. I ended up, um, being on breakfast television, um, as their entertainment reporter, Um, I shared those duties with Devo, who's still there, wonderful Devo Brown, very talented. Um, Everybody's there is super talented and fantastic. Doing a morning show is not for the faint of heart. Um, And I did do a lot of most of the interviews there. And I was the supervising producer of the entertainment department. So I wore a lot of hats. Um, I filled in for Dina when she was on vacation lots of times, hosting BT, which is a dream. I mean, to be able to say that I, you know, sat at that desk and hosted that show uh, many, many times. Uh, you know, you look back, and I have a real sense of pride about that for sure, Sarah. Of course, yeah. Um, and then that job ended. Uh, I still have some confusion about why that job ended. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it ended in 2019, um, and November of 2019, and it was a, it was a hard one for me. I was 48 uh, as a woman at 48 years old in media. That's a lot of the con column. If you're doing your pros and cons list, it shouldn't be. But, you know, the reality is it is. Uh, I knew that I was I was always um, I think I'm a pretty clear headed person about where um, what my possibilities are and what I can do. Uh, So I have really rough time. You know, I I my analogy that I use is when I lost my job at Bell, um it was like my boyfriend broke up with me, but I was already looking at another boy. Um and then when I lost my job at Rogers, it felt like I was left at the altar in my wedding dress.
1: What an interesting analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and even still like you would think, oh maybe it gets easier after the first time you go through it, but it doesn't.
0: No, it doesn't, or it didn't for me. I mean, I think that it's a very personal experience for everyone. I think that there were um, so many things going on for me personally outside of the job um, that contributed to my uh, emotional reaction to losing my job. I was at a loss, you know, I was really lost. Um, As I said, I lost my job like uh, kind of mid November 2019, and then like four months later, lockdown. Uh so it was a I was super lucky during pandemic because I didn't have a full-time job I didn't have to pivot to work from home um I just my husband and I at home we could stay home I felt very safe he felt very safe um uh, you know the same kind of worries as other people but we didn't have young children you know, for all the really, really significant hardships that other people had, uh, through pandemic and certainly before vaccines came to our, into our lives, I felt very fortunate. Uh, but I was still struggling about what I was going to do professionally. And it's, it, you know, it has organically kind of fallen into place. That's given me a confidence that I didn't have, that I um, have something to offer and I can roll with changes. I didn't have a confidence, Sarah, which I think surprised a lot of people, including myself, that um, I was that malleable that I could figure out a different way to do things. It's a scary, scary Situation, and I was—I had been really lucky, right? I'd had two really long and really big jobs, so um, I'm—I never say never in terms of through hardship because you never know what's around the corner. I've learned that, but I'm really proud of myself. You know, here we are—you know, over two years later—and I'm continuing to craft a really interesting and really exciting, really fun. And, um, properly rewarding life for myself that actually has some balance that I never had before. I mean, you mentioned I was just in New York and I, I flew home on Monday and I thought to myself, I came in the door at like eight 30 or nine o'clock at night. And I said to my husband, I used to do this and then get up and do a morning show the next day.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. like." I don't know how I traveled the way I did for over 25 years. Like I have one and a half million miles in the air with air Canada alone. I mean, I, it was a banana schedule. So when you go from like 800 miles an hour for 25 years to like zero pandemic, like it's, it's a, it's a shock to the system
1: hearing someone who's been, you know, through it all talking about these things. I'm like, I need to stop myself earlier. (laughs) Like that's how I feel about it.
0: Yeah. What I would suggest Sarah is, um, it's all a question of time. You only have so much of it. You don't get any more time in your day. So what do you want to be doing with that time? What do you have to be doing in terms of your responsibilities, both to, you know, employers or people who have hired you for freelance, your commitments, your need for money, because these are jobs and we do jobs to get paid so that we can live a certain lifestyle, whatever that is, what is that for you? And then. Those are all the things that are like the have to do's and, and what am I doing? And then what are the things that you want to be doing? And the perfect for me, what I try to think about is how much can I have those two things blend together? How much can those things inform each other?
1: There's so many guests on this podcast who have talked about like not knowing what their identity is outside of their job. Right. I think so many women in media struggle with that.
0: Yeah. I struggled a long time with like, yeah. you know, who am I if I, you know, when I lost the job at Rogers, um, who am I if I don't have this job? Well,
1: you're still a full, a full person.
0: I'm so, <laughs> and like all I what I realized are is um, the things I do and the people in my life, I'm so fortunate, had nothing to do with my job. I love watching movies. I love watching content. I love my friends who are also many of the media people, whether yep. they're in television or print or radio, all, you know, many of the, they're still my friends no matter what I'm doing. Yeah, I still talk about the same things. So I realized that I actually had a lot of that already going on. I needed to frame up then how I could make money differently because I have responsibilities and and it is a job and um and I need a job and I want a job. So but I'm getting there in terms of figuring it out. So I figured that what's going to happen, Sarah, is I'm I'm feeling really good about things, so there's another curveball coming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably, right? At this point, probably. And
0: and, and I think yeah. I'm better prepared for it. I think that sometimes you have to go through those big doubts of, can I do this? Do I want to do it? How hard, like, can I do hard things? You know, the thing, you know, you can do hard things. Do I, am I made up that way? Um, And hard things are different for everybody, right? Like I have friends, people who, you know, they have a discipline about them in terms of their schedule. They get up at five o'clock in the morning, they work out, they, you know, batch cook and make their, that's really hard for me. And it's not a priority. I walk a lot, but that, that discipline isn't my priority. I have different hard things, right? So what's hard for you might not be hard for somebody else. You got to figure out what that is in your life. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just feel now that I've gone through some, some crap, um, and I hold my head up and I'm really proud of where I am. And, and also I'm proud that it's easy for me to talk to you about these things because I didn't hide from it. I was really honest on my social media. I was really honest with my friends about where
1: I was at. And it was and not that's good. What people, that's what people want, right? Integrity too. That's, that's what you know, that's the difference between a viewer following you from like your company job to your freelance job right there is integrity. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think that's a really great word. And I think it resonates. I'm, I, I don't know if a lot of people know exactly what that means, but for me, integrity means I'm not pretending to be anything I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't have a schedule to post to Instagram. Um, because some days I I'm doing it and and it's not my job. Like I'm not making a living off of my Instagram. Uh, but I I post when I want to post, I post when I have something to say, I, I, you know, share the things I share a
1: lot. Um, but I, interestingly enough, I'll bring this up too right now. I was going to look up your five-step process uh, because I was interested myself. I was like, maybe I'll take this course, you know, like it's good. So I went to, I went to Google it. And funny enough, the first thing that came up in the Google feed of me just searching, Terry Hart, five Step, what were interviews um, from city where you were talking about uh, how hard it was uh, for you to try and have children. Yeah. And thinking about that integrity piece that we just talked about, why did those things come right up? Because I think it resonated with you know your viewers the most, and that's why it's still being shared. In yeah that,
0: that was a crazy um decision maybe it was crazy maybe it was right uh it's done now so i can't go back I, I i'm still very grateful that i chose to do that with uh my dear friend tracy moore who of course is the host of city line i was working at rogers um some people knew my story which was i had tried to my husband and i had tried to um have kids for about six years um i had five miscarriages. It's really awful. Really, Such really. That's a journey. Yeah, whew, just a tough, tough go. Really uh, expensive in every aspect of life—financially, emotionally, physically. The most expensive thing I've ever been on uh, in every aspect of my life. Expensive. Uh, it cost us a lot—money, uh, mm-hmm. time, body, mind, soul. It cost us a lot. And a big. And-
1: what, what even brought you to like the decision to share how much of what you, well,
0: I I got frustrated. Um, I got frustrated that all the stories uh, that I was hearing of people on television, talking about struggling with infertility uh, always ended up with a baby, you know, people always talk about, you know, I struggled with infertility and, you know, I, you know, infertility, this and
1: And here's my happy ending.
0: Yeah. Infertility is not something you struggle with. You are either infertile or you're not. You don't, you struggle to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. I struggled to get pregnant and then found out after everything that I am indeed infertile. And so I thought it was really important words matter and language matters. And I wanted to give other people. I knew there were other people like me who had gone through all the doctors, all the needles, all the surgeries, all everything you can do, all the Chinese medicine, all the acupuncture, all the, you name it. I drank all the teas. I did all the, I did it all. um, That didn't end up with a baby. And I thought that I could give a voice to that. And And I think you did and give a face to that. And, um, the response was extraordinary. It was, I got handwritten letters sent to me, um, that would break your heart. Uh, women who were in their sixties, you know, I did this years ago now. Um, and women who were in their sixties who said, you know, this is the first time I actually saw my story on television. And, uh, you know, it, it, It is an epidemic. Uh, People are waiting longer to uh, have children to try and get pregnant. And that, you know, the number is the number women's fertility starts to decline at the age of 35 period, full stop. Nobody's lying about that. Many, many people have successful, wonderful pregnancies, pregnancies after the age of 35. I only hope that for everybody who wants it, but The truth is women's fertility starts to decline after the age of 35 quite significantly. And there are all kinds of other things that contribute to struggling to get pregnant, whether it be hormones, whether it be how many years we were all on the pill. I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor. I know that my story is what it was. And I know there are a lot of other people who also lived that story. So I'm really proud that I did it. Um, I'm I'm kind of glad that it's just out there
1: Uh, and all these years later for it to come up in like that high up in Google search results, you know, that speaks for itself because again, it was, it was something you said out of integrity that resonated with people. I think
0: so. Yeah. I think that when you speak truth, um, it hits, right. Like, or as the kids say, it tracks, (laughs) Um, you know, you, you can't, you can't argue with truth. Mm-hmm. Right. There, you, there's no, I mean, I don't really buy into truthiness. You can't really debate truth. No um, facts are facts and, and my facts and, and what happened in that aspect of my life. And I also felt, you know, Sarah, I'm sure that many people who come on and talk to you and I'm sure you feel this also in, in your role as a woman in media, that if you're given this opportunity to have a voice, if you're given this opportunity then share your shit. You know, Mm -hmm. like
1: it was very courageous that you did it knowing how painful it probably was leading up to that moment and and after. But you're right. You knew that you had a platform and you wanted to use it.
0: Yeah. And, it, you know, surprisingly, I'd gone through the reason I was able to do it when I did it was because it was truly behind me. We had like like we had made the decision that we were done. We could not go any further. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like I was still counting every 28 days, you know, like you you get through things. Yeah. You do move through the mud.
1: Yeah. And and it's such a, you know, like you talked about it being a, an epidemic, like even in my very tight group of girlfriends, and it's happened in every other group of girlfriends, there's so many people who can relate to what you said.
0: And, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, I got frustrated about every story about infertility, ending up with a baby. And I got, I, I really do feel passionate about how language needs to change. You know, don't say to people, everything happens for a reason.
1: Let's not sugarcoat this. Let's, let's not like, let's refer to facts and science. And- yes
0: and, and, you know, ask questions. Don't try to have a solution. Don't tell somebody they just need to go on vacation. Like all the things that are out there. It's much, it's better now it's better than when I went, was going through it for sure. There's been a lot more conversation. Yeah. Um, but man, oh man, people can say things that are really, really, um, insensitive and maybe they, you know, I always gave people the benefit of the doubt, but it got tiresome for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. And and right here, you're speaking about the, like, the different sides of this platform that we have as women in media, right? There's so many exciting, big, shiny things that we want to talk about, but there's also some tough stuff and you have an opportunity to be real about it. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row, all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. So I do want to talk a little bit about the shiny stuff. You were just down in New York uh, with the Critics' Choice Awards. So I would love to hear a little more about that and being in New York this time of year. Oh, season. you know, it was shiny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to use your term. Yeah, I, uh, I, there's there's lots of shiny. I mean, you know, you sit in a room at a press conference with Meryl Streep, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, and Jonah Hill, and Adam McKay, and it's a good day. You know, it's, yeah, a it's a good day. day. <laughs> um, another day you're there with Maggie Gyllenhaal, Dakota Johnson and Peter Sarsgaard it's a good day.
1: Um,
0: and then, you know, you go and see Jagged Little Pill, which is a musical that I'd been wanting to see for years. And it's spectacular by the way. Uh, it's a good night. Um, so yeah, Critics Choice Awards is an organization that I've been a part of for a long time now. And we have, um, different award shows throughout the year. Our big one is the Critics Choice Awards that happen at the beginning of February. And, um, yeah, we vote for movies. We give away best picture, best actor, best actress. And uh, it is critics from around North America and the world. We just opened up an international division. It's, uh, we have a lot of integrity to use that word again. I'm very, very proud to be a part of the Critics' Choice. And it keeps, it allows me, um, it, it, it reminds me that it's important. You know, sometimes when you're in this freelance world and you're not working for a corporation, you're not around colleagues every day and you're, you can be like, what am I doing this for again? You know, like sometimes that, that little imposter syndrome or negative Nancy in your head can be a little louder than you want it to be. And being a member, um, of, of, such an esteemed organization with, with really, really impressive people, uh, makes me feel like there is a reason i use a hashtag often sarah um hashtag movies matter (laughs) yeah and they do you know movies do matter they they educate us they allow us an escape they uh bring us to emotional places that we might not be able to access without them i think emotions matter too um and I, I, I think that we make choices about how, you know, everything's kind of dovetailing in this answer a little bit, but we make choices about how we spend our time, what we want to watch, what we want to feel, what we want to learn about. And it's harder
1: than ever to gain the attention of a single human being these days. Right.
0: So, so that's why being a part of critics choice and having a voice out there as a critic is important and has an impact on people's lives, I believe. And that leads right into my super channel, super picks that I do weekly for super channel, which is, you know, just trying to control the noise a little bit. Right. I mean, there's so much out there and making a decision about what you're going to watch by yourself as a family, you know, if you can follow somebody or something that you trust and gives you some context around why you should or shouldn't watch something. um, I think that's worthy. And I think that is uh, a, a pretty great way to help people i mean yeah it's it's weird to suggest it's helping people but i mean you
1: know and there's there any, so much media to is there anything
0: better than when you sit down and you're like hey you know what i heard this new show the pact is good like i watched you know i, I watched terry hart on super channel and uh on their ig page and she was talking about it i'm gonna watch it and then you get introduced to these six amazing women from Wales that you would never know. It's a drama. It's not a documentary. Um, and it's a whodunit story kind of in the vein of the undoing. And, and you're like, Oh my God, this is so cool. I'm so glad I, I now know these people and it's in my life and it's a good use of your time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I hope that I'm helping people to make good use of their time.
1: <laughs> That's the best way to put it. But yeah. even speaking from my own experience, you know, like, my guy will be like, okay, what should we watch? And we open up whatever app, right? And it's like, I'm always overwhelmed. And I'm like, you just choose being very honest with you because there's so much to consume. So many decisions that you could make that I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So if I'm being honest, like during the pandemic, I've actually watched like the least amount of of television and film than I ever have in my life because I just feel like so overwhelmed about it.
0: Tell me, tell me about that, Sarah, because I'm always so interested in this conversation. So do you, you're overwhelmed. So you open up, you know, Netflix or Super Channel or or Amazon Prime and you're like, oh, where do I start? Or is it like. You don't know if you want to do a series or a movie. You don't know emotionally where you want to go. You don't know who to trust in terms of advice.
1: It's almost like emotionally, emotionally is the only thing I got is, is what mood I'm in when I'm logging in, right? Am I in the mood for like uh, a music documentary, which a lot of the time is what I'm in the mood for? <laughs> yeah. Um, or it's usually, you know, when I'm in that like fun, like just put something on anything on mood that I don't know what to pick. Okay.
0: So I think a yeah. lot of people find themselves in that uh, space yeah, and then they'll start something and it won't be great or they won't like it. And they'll feel cheated. They'll feel like, oh, what a waste of my time. Like, because there is so much out there, it's like going into a mall, right?
1: Yes. And I hate the mall,
0: <laughs> but you know what stores you like. Yeah. So you don't bother going into that mall and going into stores that you don't like but it took you a while to figure out what stores you like, right? Yeah, What fits you properly? Who doesn't have obnoxious salespeople? You know, all the the,
1: people who who stand for what I like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it, I get it. All those
0: things. So it's the same thing with movies or television shows, but it takes a little bit of effort. So in your notes section, just like start a note. And when you're talking to somebody and they're like, hey, I heard that show on Super Channel, The Pact is really good and and like say it was at a happy show and like write the pact dash yeah. mystery and oh i hear that you know the um yellow jackets which is on showtime in canada it's on hbo canada i hear that's really cool uh you know it's a series it's it's again another mystery but it's um Uh, 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 a high school soccer team, plane goes down. They are stranded in the wilderness for like two years and then they get found. And this is, it shows them as adults and their teenage selves dealing with what happened in those two years. It's kind of like Lord of the Flies.
1: Okay. See, and this is, this is really interesting even talking through this with you because like I'm finding now when I think back to what I have watched, I've made that decision after hearing it from like several places, right? So it's almost like a popularity vote, yeah. Like the Ted Lasso, okay, for mm-hmm. example, or um, Money Heist, or like I'm just Squid Game. Did you watch Squid Game? I haven't watched Squid Game yet.
0: It's it's worth it. Um, okay, okay. I say about what I say about Squid Game that um, I think is important is watch the first episode. The first episode is truthfully what the series is. Okay. Um, Okay. But you also need some movies in your life, Sarah, because sometimes I feel like people just get overwhelmed. Like, oh my God, there's nine episodes. And, you know, oh my God, it's too much. So I saw the new Ghostbusters. Oh God, I'm sorry. I hated that movie. (laughs) Um, See, this is so nice. I get to say that I was, they didn't even use the song. The song was as big as the original movie. You bring
1: up a very valid point.
0: And it, it just felt to me like the movie never took off. Like every time when I was supposed to be getting excited, it was just flat for me. It was just flat.
1: The Um, expectations were monstrous anyway. So like there, there's never going to be a living up to that standard. I don't think with Ghostbusters.
0: No, I'm just, I'm, I'm speaking of note section. I keep, um, (laughs) I keep a track of everything I watch each year. Yeah. Um,
1: She's looking it up. This is the, I'm bit.
0: looking it up. Do you, do you go to the movies?
1: I love going to the movies, yeah.
0: Okay, so you should see a movie called Belfast. It will be nominated for Best Picture. Kenneth Brown directed it. It's kind of, um, oh yeah, this is going to be, uh, oh, this is 2022. Everybody's going to be excited for awards contenders. So Belfast will be nominated for ton. You should watch Tick, Tick, Boom, Boom. It's on Netflix. It is, um, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda directed it. Of course, he made Hamilton. And it's a musical about Andrew... Um, Sorry, what's his name? Last name's Larson, but Andrew Garfield plays him. And he was the playwright of Rent. And he died just as Rent was making it huge on Broadway. I really loved Don't Look Up. Um, it is what I was just in New York for, uh, Adam McKay, who did, uh, vice and, um, like anchorman, very, very funny guy, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Ariana Grande is in it. It's really, really interesting and fun. It's satire. I love, um, come on, come on is a beautiful movie with Joaquin Phoenix, Uh, Power of the Dog, you should watch. It's a really slow burn, but it takes you someplace interesting. And licorice pizza is fantastic. So there's my recommendations for some. Maybe
1: we'll have to record something separate for when all the awards nominations come out. We we should. We'll do like a special episode or something. I am
0: I I will have watched it all, so I'm there for you. (laughs)
1: Okay. It's amazing. So how did the Super Channel, Super Picks happen? Because that's, you know, that's something that's now a Terry Hart thing and you got to combine, you know, your love of watching movies with, you know, a regular segment. Yeah.
0: And it's perfect for me because it's a combination of older movies. So I can go back to movies like Goodwill Hunting, like Dirty Dancing, which is a oh, perfect movie. I love um, movie. It's a perfect movie. And uh, people mock me and then they watch again and it they're like, no, it is structurally a perfect movie. Um, so I can combine some older movies with some newer movies. I talk about a ton of canadian movies which thrills me to no end i have a huge relationship with the canadian film community and it's very very important to they me art to- being
1: created here is so exciting right now too yeah, so. yeah.
0: We're, we're making some good stuff um it's been a great year you know there's a movie um TIFF just released Canada's top 10 for 2021, and uh, the list there is fantastic. Some of my favorite movies of the year, including a movie called Scarborough, which is just fantastic. It's going to win a ton of awards. It's a movie called Learn to Swim, which is beautiful by a director by the name of Tyrone Tommy. Uh, Both really spectacular movies. Um, Night Raiders is great. Uh, Dennis Goulet. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff going on in Canada, but yeah, the Super Channel Super Picks. They, um, it, it was the dream. I gotta say, it was the dream. The they contacted me and just kind of said, We're not sure what we need, but we think we need you. Uh, so what do you want to do? Uh,
1: and, is that not the that is it's the, the goal dream. right there. That's the goal right there, right?
0: It's the dream. Um,
1: And I was really, uh,
0: surprised. And then, uh, my husband, who is a wonderful cheerleader of mine, uh, which is a good thing to have in your spouse, but also realistic. Uh, he was said, you know, I don't know why you're so surprised. You're about the only person in this country who talks about movies the way you talk about movies. And I was like, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to, I'm going to own that as, as being a part of who I am.
1: You're the authority on the matter.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, we had lots of conversations about what made sense. Um, I was really clear going back to your integrity point that my super picks truly had to
1: come from me. They couldn't, you know, oftentimes. It's not about sales. It's not about box office. It's yeah.
0: And it's not about, you know, marketing or promotables or, you know, I make the decisions of, so every Wednesday, my super channel, super pick drops on super channel, Instagram page. Um, I hope it draws some people in to see those movies. I hope it lets people know about the wide variety and interesting programming that super channel has. Uh, and I'm, I'm, thrilled that they asked me into not just their sandbox but their whole playground uh because it's really fun and there's really great people working there who have turned me on to some movies that I didn't know about um it, yeah it's just been it's been a dream it's been a dream we have a contract for you know the next little while we'll see what happens i would love to continue on it's just been it's been really fun working with them and, uh, you know, being part of a team again, I, I I have colleagues again and it's nice. It's, it's a freelance gig. Um, but I do have, I consider them for sure my colleagues and it's nice to have, people to bounce stuff off of.
1: Like home base. It's like a home base, a virtual uh, home base almost at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. And,
0: and you know, I've built up, we do IG lives with some filmmakers. Um, we're doing some IG. We, we, back in December, we did some IG lives for, uh, with some of the talent from the Christmas movies that they have on Super Channel Heart and Home. That was really funny because people love watching those movies. So it was really fun to talk to those actors about being in movies that people are going to return to year in and year out. So it's just been it is uh it's about the most perfect job in the world.
1: It's the best thing that you could expect someone in this industry to say, you know, later yeah. later in the game to be like I love the calling the sh- calling your own shots and being like these are, you know, these picks are mine, they're not coming from anywhere else and all of that. Okay, so I mean, you just said you were you had turned 50 and that's crazy to me because I would have never guessed that. Like you just seem like so like young at heart, really, A and B, uh, you know, you're, you're still very much in the game and in the space, you know, a lot of, pe- a lot of people, I think when they're in the later stages of a, a media career, maybe are um, apprehensive about playing in the space and you're not. No,
0: you know? I think that um, it, it may be naive, um, but I still think I got lots to say and lots oh, yeah. to do. And I think that it's important to have um, representation of different ages yeah. uh, in the space because you know it it matters that there's somebody out there that doesn't know what the term shipping is. And I'm going to ask Joss, uh, who was a guest on, on this, you know, what's shipping again? Um, and and who yeah. it, who are you know trying to figure out? Do I need to be on TikTok? Do I need to be watching TikTok? Is there anything there for me? Yeah.
1: Well, I have the same question, and we're from totally, you know, different eras of this of this space. And like, I'm telling you, like, I I don't know either. I don't know. Yeah. Do so, I need to be on TikTok? I don't know. I don't know either.
0: <laughs> uh, I have an account, but I don't do anything. Same. Um. I, my my thing about it is it's all about barriers of entry at life, right? So, you know, my using my mom as an example, who's 77 years old. I don't think she'll mind me saying that. Um, she is active, Sarah, active on Facebook. She's posting all the memes. If you love your daughter as much as I love my daughter, reshare this. Here's a recipe. Here's a joke about husbands. Like she's, she's on Facebook Amazing. all the time. She's on Instagram. She has an account and she comments on my pictures. Um, and you know, my nephew's squash page, um, but she doesn't post anything.
1: Yeah, that's like my mom. Yeah. That is a
0: that's too much of a barrier of entry. She doesn't care about TikTok. Like the yeah. she TikTok is too much of a barrier of entry for her. Mm-hmm. So I think that that happens, right? Like things become, and who knows what the next thing is going to be. But it's going to it's gonna be something. I mean, I spend my social media time um, on Twitter. Uh, I do tweet quite a lot. I mean, not like not as much as some people, but I do tweet. I tweet uh, ideas and random thoughts. I use Twitter a- as the platform it's meant to be. I don't just link my Instagram and my Facebook to my Twitter. Yeah, you know yeah, do yeah, yeah. I don't do that. I feel like Twitter is a very different platform. I do link my Instagram to my Facebook. Um, Sometimes I use Facebook as, um, you know, a Google search. Like sometimes I'll be like, who knows what the best blah, bitty, blah, is. And then, you know, I get tons of response, which is really helpful for me. Um, but I spend probably most of my time on Instagram.
1: Mm-hmm. So in, in wrapping this up, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you have learned from a different generation of media?
0: Um, like in my career or what I've learned from younger people now, now,
1: yeah. What you've learned from, yeah. Like from a Joss or from anyone.
0: Oh, um, be capable. That's the thing that I strive to be. And I've learned that from this next generation coming up from these kids who are in their late twenties and and approaching 30 or in their early thirties, they're capable. They can do anything and everything. They can edit video, they can write, they can host things, they can um, you know, technically do things that passed me by because when I was coming up, you were one thing. Yeah. You were a this or a that. And now. You have to do everything, and it makes you better at all aspects when you know how to do all these things. So, my aspiration right now is to keep learning and building my skill set and my toolkit, not to just sit back and be like, Well, this is what I've done for 26 years. I expect to keep doing that. No, what I've learned is you have to be so capable at every, uh, so many aspects from writing to producing, to executing, to being a partner, to being a colleague, to um, having an idea, to articulating something, like all of it, you have to be a one person show. Mm-hmm. And that I admire so much. I mean, Joss is a perfect example of that. Like all of, I refer to them as my kids, but there um, is <laughs> there is Joss, there's Marilee, there's Renna and there's Cassandra and those four women I worked with at Rogers, and um, I love them all like they are my children. Um, all in different ways, they all bring very different things to my life. But they are who I learn from now. Watching them do what they're doing, whether it's Joss moving from job to job and having different experiences, and launching launching a platform, where it's whether it's Rena who's still at Rogers, and like building herself as a producer that is like spectacular she has her own podcast she's just with another cassandra but doing amazing things in the world of entertainment and her passion for certain things cassandra who works in um the digital space and learning from her about how digital space is moving so quickly and the impact you can have and the mistakes that people make and who who is just soared as a producer on city line and made a bold personal choice to move out to PEI and has led the way in work from home. And she's w- one of the most intelligent people I know and thoughtful, 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 but all four of those women are multifaceted, capable people who don't go, I don't know how to do it. So I'm got to ask somebody else. They go, I don't know how to do it. I guess I got to figure it out. And that is the
1: aspiration. I know you've mentioned uh, a lot of names, but you can choose whoever you want. Who has a story that needs to be told on the Women in Media podcast?
0: Christine Simpson from Sportsnet. Uh, Martine Guillard. I don't know if I'm Martine from Sportsnet. Um, Danielle Michaud from Sportsnet. Why am I saying all Sportsnet people? Um, uh, Avery Haynes. Um... Uh, I mean, Tracy Moore, obviously, spectacular. Yeah, Tracy. Tracy, Um, uh, You know, Tracy Melcher, um, Danielle Graham, um, Morgan Hoffman. Morgan Hoffman would be a really interesting person. She's younger and she had a big change when they uh, canceled Interspace and she found herself at ET Canada. She's doing amazing things there. And I love watching her grow um, and
1: change and evolve. And we've got um, 2022 all set up. Thank you for <laughs> this guest list. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, where but do we start? You asked for one, right? I was, I usually say a few, but no, this is, this is great. <laughs> you you mentioned some, you know, some women that um, I've definitely already contacted because they've been nominated before. Um, but, you know, there's so many great women in this space. So the list keeps building, if I'm being honest, and it's getting extensive. so
0: <laughs> That makes me happier than
1: Anything. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. Because we all got to be there for each other. This has been such a pleasure. So thank you. You're a delight. Well, you are too. It's so funny. Like you hear what someone's like through a podcast, right? Like, you know, Joss in this case was talking to me about uh, how instrumental of a role you played in, you know, the beginning of her career. And it's so funny because like I felt like I came to this little interview, you know, feeling like I knew you and I don't at all. It's so funny. There's so much to be learned. So, So, well, that is nice that is a good I I (laughs) like it when people feel that way thank you so much for coming on and uh, being the first guest of 2022 boom let's make this year awesome and please go check out her uh, super channel super Picks. you know once a week and uh, she'll set you up for award season for sure absolutely thanks Sarah Thanks for coming back for the first episode of 2022. Again, I would really appreciate if you would hit that subscribe button, maybe share the episode with someone you think needs to hear it. I can think of a a few girlfriends that will really appreciate some of the conversation from today's episode. And let me know if there's a guest you'd love for me to go after this year. You can find me on socials at Burke Talks and at Women in Media Pod. Happy New Year. Back soon with more great women in media.